0: To the very first episode of Pro Wrestling Lonely. It's not as sad as it sounds. My name is Charles, uh, and this is going to be kind of a daily look at whatever is going on in wrestling that interests me that I want to talk about. I want to keep it pretty short, just because I do think that the podcast universe is a little bit oversaturated at the moment. But um, but I do want to do some audio content, so. Uh, the, the reason that I wanted to record this one today was just to walk through the match list that was just released for uh, the Shawn Michaels Showstopper unreleased set. So there's 35 matches in total. Now, uh, I had recently posted something on the Pro Wrestling Only blog, and it, it was going through some of the matches that we knew about, but not really going through um, the entire match list because we didn't have access at the time. So... What I thought I would do is just kind of walk through each of the matches and talk about uh, their current availability. So, I guess we can start right from the beginning. So, Disc One, the very first match on the set, is Shawn Michaels and Tim Corner against Chavo and Hector Guerrero. Uh, this was on January 5th, 1985. It's from Mid South TV. So, for. Traders and people who have uh, circulated bootlegged footage through the years. This is not a new find, and it was also for sale officially um, when Eni Watts, Bill's ex wife, uh, had UniversalWrestling.com before she sold the footage to WWE. So, this is not a new match. Um, it's a pretty short TV match. I haven't seen it personally, but I would expect it to be kind of a semi competitive squash. The Guerreros are not the type to go in and you know, just eat anyone alive for the most part. So I would expect some back-and-forth action, but uh, Sean really wasn't a star yet on January 5th, 1985, so his any offense that he gets in would be pretty limited. Uh, the same would apply to the second match, which is Shawn Michaels against Jake the Snake Roberts from February 1st. Uh, I, now, that's the official listing, February 1st, 1985, but as I mentioned in the blog post I made, February 8th may be the more accurate date. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to tell. So the third match on the set is from AWA Championship Wrestling. It's the Midnight Rockers, as they were called at the time. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty taking on uh, Doug Summers and Buddy Rose. So this was, of course, a legendary feud. This is not a new match. This is a match that we had access to, but it's a significant upgrade in quality. So I think people will be happy uh, to see that in a new context. Uh, Good pick for the set. I I don't think they could have done this set without having at least one match between these teams, which is good because they have two matches uh, between these teams. So the second match is from July 13th, 1986, and that's um, the Midnight Rockers again against Summers and Rose yet again. Uh, so both of those matches have been out there, nothing new, but it is cool to have them in in nice video quality. The last one uh, in this section, which is called the Icon, is the Midnight Rockers against uh, Dennis Stamp, who's famous for not being booked on Beyond the Mat. <laughs> and uh, Brian Knobs of the Nasty Boys. So this one I'm not actually sure about. I, I can't really tell if it's a new release or if it's um, something that has been out there and we're just you know getting a better quality copy of it. But uh, I can't really find anything specifically about this match. That doesn't mean that it didn't already exist out there. Did a stamp for whatever, you know, jokes are made about him not being booked, which is kind of the Man that's been associated with him for the past two decades was a pretty solid worker and I would expect this to be pretty decent uh, Brian Knobs, if you're familiar with the Nasty Boys you're familiar with kind of what to expect from Brian Knobs. probably a little bit less reserved version of him than you would uh, normally see with the Nasty Boys in a few years um, but it, I guess it's kind of a wild card it could be Just a very average match could be really good. So the next section of Disc 1 is called The Rocker, which is interesting because the first section was called The Icon, but all the matches were Midnight Rockers matches. I guess the divide here that they're going for is that the next section of Disc 1 is matches from uh, the WWF, starting in 1988. So the first one is from an episode of Primetime Wrestling. It's The Rockers against The Rougeaus. These two teams, it's it's interesting because I don't feel like they ever had a great match in the sense that most people think about great tag team wrestling, but they did something that was worth watching in all of their matches, uh, did some really fun comedy, there's a match that they had about a year after this in London, and it's pretty much all nonsense it's all stalling and all clowning but it's but it's funny it's it's good stuff um i loved that match just as a piece of sheer entertainment this one is not one that i'm personally familiar with so i can't really comment on it but i would expect it's probably a little bit more action based since it was taped for television um and that's really all i have to say about that now the cool find here and i think this probably does settle one debate once and for all is that the Rockers and the Rougeaus did have some 60-minute Iron Man matches on house shows in 1989. And when I look at this listing and there's not one of those matches listed, I think we can safely say once and for all that they do not have any of those matches in their collection. That's been kind of an open question uh, among collector types for quite a while. The next match is also from Primetime Wrestling the following week. It's the Rockers challenging uh, then-WWF Tag Team Champions, Demolition. Um, Sean, if if anyone has read his book, Heartbreak and Triumph... Um, actually, that might have been the name of his DVD set. Actually, uh, yeah, yeah. I, but if anyone has read his biography, he wasn't too high on the matches that they had with Demolition. Demolition. But I've seen some interesting perspectives on that series, uh, especially from uh, Matt D at Pro Wrestling Only. Uh, So you can probably find quite a bit of stuff there. I'll try to get a link up to some of the things that he's written about that match because that's always been. I I think that that's really um, affected the way that he sees Shawn Michaels as a performer because of his mentality about that series. Um, Shawn felt like Demolition was too concerned with looking good and didn't want to sell for them. So, this is another match from that series. I'm, I'm sure some people have seen it before. I personally haven't, but it's it's an interesting addition. Uh, the next one is a match from what might have been the best series the Rockers had as a tag team in the WWF. It was either this or uh, the Orient Express, who we'll talk about in a moment, but... This was the Rockers against the Brain Busters, Arne Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Uh, this is from Boston Gardens on January 13th, 1989. Now, this is probably a fantastic match, but the the unfortunate thing about this series, and, and I don't even think that this necessarily just applies to the Rockers versus the Brain Busters, but the unfortunate thing about this series is that if you've seen one match in the series, you've kind of seen them all, and... Uh, so it's like the same order, same spots. Now, it is, I think, still interesting to watch all of those matches. That I think there is still replay value just because you can kind of get a sense for how a New York crowd might differ from a Boston crowd. And both of those might differ from a Philadelphia crowd or a Los Angeles crowd. Because, I mean, the teams wrestled each other around the loop. It was a long time before they actually gave them... Uh, a full-length match on television, which I think they were trying to build up the uh, the anticipation for that because they knew it would be a great match. Uh, so at the time, you had a lot of um, short brawls that would end with like. Some, I think there was one time on Superstars when they had a match and they could, didn't even lock up, like the bell never rang because the the referees couldn't get control of the two teams and they were brawling. In, in kind of a pre-match so there were definitely a few times they announced the match and then for whatever reason it didn't happen because they really wanted to build anticipation for seeing these two teams square off so at this point on television there had been no rockers brain Busters matches but they were doing um extended matches on house shows the next match is from December 14th, 1989. It's the Rockers against the Heart Foundation. Now, this is a dark match from a Hamilton, Ontario taping. So, I'm going to actually check this one right now because I'm not sure if this one was already out there. I do know that, um, while I'm pulling this up, I do know that the Rockers and the Heart Foundation had a lot of matches against each other that have... Uh, been released in the past, specifically on Coliseum Video, and that's what I'm checking because I'm thinking this might have been. I know that there were some other matches from this taping that for sure made it to Coliseum Video. I'm just not sure about this match in particular. Um, but when I look, it looks like this is this is a new find, and they went uh, they went 20 plus minutes, so this should be. An interesting thing to watch. Now, I, there might have been—I um, don't know if because there was commentary for the show, Gorilla Monsoon and Sean Mooney. So I'm not sure if uh, this particular show existed in circulation. I—I I, I don't believe it does actually. But um, but this is a nice little addition to the feud. We've we've had some interesting uh, revelations over the years as far as additions to the series that we didn't have at first uh, matches that had some legend most notably the phantom title change in October of 1990 when the rockers beat the heart foundation the ropes broke during the match near the finish and uh, the WWF was about to fire Jim Neidhart and then decided not to so they decided to uh, reverse the title change By basically saying that it didn't count because the ropes broke. So uh, the reason they had to do that was because the magazines, uh, your Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the other um, after magazines, were already reporting on the title change. So they had to come up with some explanation for why that title change wasn't happening. Uh, So the next match on on this set is the Rockers against the Orient Express from April 29th of 1990 from London, Ontario. Now this was a dark match at a television taping for primetime wrestling, but, uh, it didn't actually make the air. So, uh, they had a match at WrestleMania six. That wasn't much. I believe it. I'm spitballing here, but I believe what happened was that the rockers showed up for WrestleMania a little worse for wear. Um, having had a little bit too much fun in Toronto, and that match just didn't deliver. Not necessarily that it would have been put in a position to deliver, because I think at the time the focus was on Hogan Warrior, and they didn't want anything to really take too much from that on the show. Uh, Their most famous match was at the 1991 Royal Rumble, which is a hell of a match, Uh, worth seeing if you haven't seen it. So I'm really curious to see this. I think, uh, it could be another gem and that's what we want from these, uh, types of releases. Now let's see, I'm looking to see how long they went. It, I, I don't really see a match time. So this could have been a relatively short match or it could have been a longer match, but either way, it's something that we haven't seen before, which is pretty cool. Uh, the next match on the series is, or on the set rather, is the Rockers uh, facing Demolition. So, Demolition at the time were the tag team champions. They were near the end of their run because uh, Bill Eadie, or uh, some of you may know him as Axe from Demolition or the Mass Superstar, he was uh, in pretty bad shape and really wasn't going to be able to work much longer. Crush had started replacing him in a lot of matches. Uh, on the road but axe was still you know with the team and name so uh when i look at the results for that time it looks like they uh th- there's no time given or anything but it looks like it was smash and crush this time out so axe isn't in the match uh that probably brings the quality down at least a little bit from what you would expect, but it's still a new match. Uh, the Rockers could be counted on against a lot of teams that sometimes didn't even really have good matches, so uh, I wouldn't write anything off unseen. And that would also go for the next match, the Rockers against the Natural Disasters. This actually did air on Primetime Wrestling in uh, on November 4th. 1991. I don't remember it being anything particularly special, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't. Uh, this was near the end of the run for the Rockers, and uh, it might have been something that they uh, did to kind of start people expecting a breakup. Uh, and the final match on disc one, which I talked about in the in the blog entry that I wrote up, was. Uh, the Rockers against the Legion of Doom from WWF Superstars on December 28th, 1991. I thought that was uh, a really fun match. It's only, I think, three minutes, if that. But uh, the power speed dynamic worked really well for these two teams, as you would expect. Uh, and the post-match angle was used to further... and even Not even just the post-match angle, but the way the match was worked was used to further tease the breakup of Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, which we all know happened on the barbershop in early 1992 and began the climb or the ascension of Shawn Michaels as um, one of the top stars in company history. So taking a look at disc two, Shawn Michaels versus Jimmy Snuka uh, from Madison Square Garden on January 31st, 1992, is the first match. And I actually remember this match being a lot more fun than you might think, given that it was Jimmy Snuka in 1992. Snuka was not someone who uh, was having great matches regularly at this point, but. Um, and I, I don't know that I would go as far to call this great, but it is a very impressive match. It's cool to see Sean, like, this early in his heel run, trying to find himself. Uh, so this is worth seeing. This is a good addition for sure. After that, we have a Piper's Pit with Shawn Michaels, which was a dark segment at a wrestling challenge taping on April 29th. Uh, we definitely haven't seen this one before. I'm really curious uh, how they, how it played out. Piper with Sherry was always fun and Shawn was just, you know, kind of finding his identity as a, a solo heel. Uh, so it's, Probably a fun segment, if nothing else. Um, The next thing that we have is an icy title match from April 5th, 1993. This took place at a wrestling challenge taping, but we've never seen the match before. That was Shawn Michaels against uh, Mr. Perfect. So the day before this was WrestleMania 9, and they did start teasing a program between these two. This is a match that... And when I say this match, I mean this match up, Not this match specifically. Because this hadn't been released before. But uh, this match did not really meet expectations. Uh, whether it was on house shows at the time. Or whether it was at SummerSlam 93. Where they were pretty much hyping that this was going to be one of the greatest matches of all time. And it, I'm not even sure it was good, to tell you the truth. <laughs> it's weird because... These two did have good chemistry in the past. They had a match in 91 where Shawn was the babyface and hadn't really uh, broken out on his own yet. And that was really good. I don't know if it's that they needed that dynamic for it to be successful or what. I mean, this could surprise us. You never know. But I do know that I've seen a lot of Shawn Michaels, uh, Kurt Hitting matches from that spring and summer when the cameras weren't rolling and they were not very good. So, um, tamper your expectations, but don't write it off unseen. The, uh, the next thing in this section, which is called the heartbreak kid is Shawn Michaels and diesel against the head shriekers in a dark match at a superstars taping in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Date on this one is August 30th, 1994. This is probably a pretty good match. The Head Streakers were a really f- fun tag team. Uh, Samu took some crazy bumps and no shoes, and Fatu was always like a, v- a very good worker. So I would expect this to be pretty good. I think by this time, Shawn and Diesel would have been the defending tag team champions because they won the titles uh, just a few days earlier. Actually, the night before SummerSlam at a house show in. Um, I believe it was Nassau Coliseum. So the next section of this uh, disc is called the main event. Uh, It starts with a face-to-face between Shawn Michaels and Diesel from a WrestleMania 11 public workout. I always love when they put stuff like this on disc because they clearly filmed it. But when they show it on television at the time, they usually just show it. Uh, in clip form or they have like someone like a Todd Penningill it would have been at this point in time kind of narrating over it uh, but you, don't, you can't really hear much or or see very much of it outside of a few short clips so this is a, a fun addition for sure sometimes the public workouts are a really fun visual just because uh, or just the public angles I should say in New York just because they do the you know somewhere like Times Square where there's a lot of people around and it looks like a really major league thing even though At this point, uh, the company was kind of at an all-time low point in popularity. Uh, There is another face-to-face that they had. Uh, It's not on this set, but it was going into Good Friends, Better Enemies in 1996. And that is (laughs) a really fun segment because by that point, uh, Kevin Nash had signed with WCW. He hadn't left yet, but he had agreed to terms. And... uh, They kind of subtly allude to that. You know, uh, Nash makes comments to Sean, like, Do you know how much money I'm worth? And Sean responds, You know how much money I'm worth staying right here in the WWF. Uh, You know, uh, Nash makes fun of the click and says, There's only one click, and you know who that is. So it's one of the first kind of heavy insidery segments uh, involving two of the guys that did that as much as or probably more than anyone else. Uh, But that's not on the set. What's on the set is a public workout uh, to set up WrestleMania 11, which I would expect to be a lot more professional. Uh, The next match is Shawn Michaels versus King Kong Bundy in a King of the Ring qualifying match from Raw on May twenty second, 1995. Now, the night after WrestleMania 11, uh, Shawn was set up for a babyface return when Sid attacked him. Uh, when Sean kind of subtly blamed him for not winning the title at WrestleMania. So uh, this was Sean's first time uh, coming back as a solo babyface. Uh, he got a pretty good reaction. I think his reaction grew in the coming months, but he got off to a really good start. Uh, there was a post-match angle where he reunited with Diesel after being estranged from him for a few months uh, when Diesel turned babyface and became champion. Uh, so it's not a bad addition. I think in terms of establishing things as far as where they were at this point in time, it's, it, it makes sense. The next batch is Sean and Brett, Bret Hart against uh, Jacob and Eli Blue, who you may also know as Creative Control or the Harris Twins or the Bruce Brothers. Uh, this was from Louisville, Kentucky in a Raw taping on July 24, 1995. So I mentioned this in the the blog entry that I wrote, but the interesting thing here is Sean and Brett teaming. I mean, that's the reason to include this above all else. Um, I don't remember exactly when Jacob and Eli kind of cornered Sean Michaels and threatened him in a dressing room over Sean being Sean. Like we've all come to expect. Um, So I'm not sure if that would have been before this match or after this match. Uh, It probably wouldn't affect how the matches worked, really. Although Sean was starting to get at that point where he was becoming his most difficult. So it might have. But but this team, the Brett-Sean team, is something that we don't have a lot of. Uh, There is one other match where they're teaming. But it's just something that was recorded by a fan in the audience with a camcorder that they snuck into the building. But I remember there was an angle after that match because they played, I want to say they played Sean's music instead of Bret's music. And it caused an argument between the two of them. So if nothing else, that's a sign that they were clearly thinking Bret versus Sean at WrestleMania for a little while before they got the belt off of Diesel. Uh, the last match in this section, the main event of Disc 2, is Shawn Michaels, Diesel, and The Undertaker against uh, Psycho Sid, Tatanka, and Kama. This is from a Superstars taping on July 25th, 1995, and it was a dark match. We haven't seen this before. These were the three biggest baby faces in the company at the time, even though Brett was probably the most popular. Uh, so it's an interesting look at the top talent in a six-man tag, which is something that I always enjoy even when the top talent isn't necessarily great. Um, just to kind of see the crowd reactions and see it's a good barometer basically for how much people were feeling what they were doing at this point. Um, it's an elimination match also, which uh, the fact that it's on a Shawn Michaels set and it's elimination match tells me that he's going to be in it for the long haul. It kind of surprises me that they would do that step unless they just wanted all three heels to take a fall just because I can't see any of those three doing a job at this point or any reason why either, any of the three of them should, uh, those three being Shawn, Diesel, and Undertaker. The other interesting thing here is that we have a match on July 25th. We also have the match the day before on July 24th uh, with Shawn and Bret against Jacob Eli Blue. Now, the day before both of those matches was the second in your house, which was July 23rd, 1995 in Nashville, when Sean had the really great match against Jeff Jarrett. So we now have matches from three consecutive evenings of Shawn Michaels. That wasn't the only match that we had from the previous day, from July 24th. Uh, Sean faced Jimmy Del Rey on that episode of Raw, which aired live, Uh in a pretty fun five minute match. And then the main event with Brett against Hakushi is a little bit more famous and more remembered It's a really good TV match. Um, The next section of this is called the champion, uh, which I guess kind of speaks for itself. So these are all uh, title defenses, or I think it looks like in a couple of cases, just matches where Sean happened to be the champion at that point in time. Uh, The first one is the ladder. That's Shawn Michaels against the 1-2-3 Kid. I think this was Kid's last uh, relatively high-profile match in the company before he jumped. I think he may have gone into rehab shortly after this match. Uh, Sean always sold a lot for Kid. And, and just like everyone else in their little circle did. Um, So I would expect this to be pretty good. In fact, I remember they actually had two matches in the first half of 96 on superstars. The other one, I mean, kid got a ton of offense, probably even more than he should have, considering that Sean was being groomed for the, the top position. Uh, and kid was kind of fading in importance, but, um, this match, I remember, I remember it being really good too. I don't think it was at the level of the first one, but it's, but it is another very good match worth through time, which you'd expect from these two who always worked really well together. Uh, the next match, I'm really interested in seeing this one. It's from uh, Des Moines, Iowa taping of Superstars, but it was a dark match with Shawn Michaels defending against Steve Austin. So slowly over the last few years of the DVD era, we've gotten uh, a few more matches between these two. Uh, and this, I guess, being the latest example uh you know, at this point, Austin wasn't really stone cold the way that we know him, but he was probably a more fundamentally sound worker, so there's a chance that these two had a really good match. Uh, either way, it's worth checking out for sure. The next match on this set is a title match where Sean defended against Yokozuna in Kuwait City. For whatever reason, Shawn Michaels was hugely over in Kuwait. They loved him. Um, make your own jokes. I, I think that when the very first podcast that I did, which was an episode of Wrestling Culture that I recorded with uh, Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave, we talked about Shawn's popularity in Kuwait just because it was just the funny little sidebar thing. Uh, which was apparent based on how the company uh, presented their overseas trip on Monday Night Raw. But this match has been out there before, but this is probably a huge upgrade in video quality, Uh, so I'll probably watch it again. The next match is Shawn Michaels against Justin Hot Bradshaw, JBL. Uh, This is from Superstars on September 29th, 1996, fairly early in bradshaw's run with the company uh, i have seen this i remember it not being anything special but being perfectly fine uh, be interesting to watch it again the next match is Shawn michaels against vader in uh, a dark match from uh state college pennsylvania at a superstars taping september 24th 1996 I, to tell you the truth, I have no idea what to expect here because Sean did not have a lot of respect for Vader as a performer, so it seems like their matches never quite hit the level they should have. I also think that Sean's strength has never been his offense. Uh, it's been more his ability to bump, and his ability to like have an exaggerated selling reaction to everything. And that can work against Vader, but I also think that Vader tends to have his best matches as a heel against uh, guys with a lot of offense or at least guys who bring a lot of offense to their matches so sting uh brought all these new moves to his match with vader akiyama in japan you know really got that too uh Mudo in 91 so I, don't, I really don't know what to expect here. They had some really short matches on house shows at this time, too. So this may not be anything special. Or it could be a night where they were both feeling it and decided to turn it on. Um, the last match on this, two is from November 15th, 1997. Just less than a week after the Montreal uh, stuff. With Shawn Michaels defending the title against the Brooklyn Brawler. So... Uh, you know, this isn't going to be much of a match. It's probably more of an angle because Sean really wasn't able to uh, work regularly at this point. He honestly had no business being champion considering how broken down he was, uh, even if he could turn it on to the big shows. But they had probably advertised him for the show with the idea of, you know, helping uh, do a, a good number. And then they had to book their way out of it once they got there. So disc three is uh, looks like has two sections. Uh, the first is called the Showstopper. So here we have Shawn Michaels against Rob Van Dam from Raw. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho from Raw. The first date was November twenty fifth two thousand two, and this one is July twenty first two thousand three. Um, these matches have been out there. The Shawn RVD match is. Very early in Sean's comeback, and uh, he was not at his best, but I, it's an interesting match just to see how they match up. Uh, at this point in time, they were both very over, so I think it's it's probably worth watching again, but I, I just remember it not being very good. Uh, Shawn versus Jericho for Raw is an interesting one because it was a rematch from uh, WrestleMania 19, which was an excellent match. I think in this case, it was obviously a step down from WrestleMania, but it was really good. Uh, they were trying to set up a, a program with Shawn and Randy Orton. So they had Orton do a run-in, but I also think they were trying to put Jericho over strong at the same time. So... Orton did his run-in to set up that feud with Shawn, but then they worked a little while longer before they actually went to the finish. And Shawn, uh, I won't spoil the finish, but I thought it was pretty cool how they did it. And I'll just leave it at that. Shawn Michaels versus Christian, also from Raw, October 4th, 2004. Uh, Shawn Michaels against Ric Flair from February 7th, 2005. To tell you the truth, I'm a little disappointed in these selections just because... I do know they have other stuff that they taped. Uh, they went to Japan during this time and did some really extended leaf matches. So we could have gotten something new here. I mean, I'm not complaining, but uh, I guess I am, actually. <laughs> uh, next, we have Shawn Michaels and Batista against Triple H and Edge in a dark match for March 21st of 05. Uh, I really don't know what to expect with this one because the Triple H-Batista feud was hot. Edge was kind of struggling to get to the top he that wouldn't happen for a little while longer uh so yeah i it they could have done all comedy who knows who knows uh but it'll be worth checking out and then uh sean versus kurt angle from the january 16th raw i just uh a lot of people liked this match at the time i remember not being one of those people but um watch it and see for yourself the next section and the last section on the final disc is the Degenerate. Um, and the first match is a Texas Tornado match from Raw. Again, from Raw, I wish I wish they would at least you know, vary it up a little bit and show some house show stuff or some international matches. But it is what it is. This was DX, Triple H, and Shawn against Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch against uh, Charlie Haas and Viscera against the Highlanders. There's a team I hadn't thought about in a long time, and this is from October 2nd, 2006. It's a Texas Tornado match, which means everyone's in at the same time. Um, I was not a fan of DX during this time, just because I felt like they just were out to make everyone else look as terrible as possible, and that's, if I had to guess what probably happened here, unless they did all comedy, I mean, I would watch it, I guess, but not, I'm not really excited about it. Uh, the next match is Sean and John Cena against Rated RKO, which is Edge and Randy Orton from Bakersfield, California, February 19, 2007. A dark match, Raw taping. Ugh. This is probably actually a pretty good match. Uh, Triple H being sidelined with his second uh, quad tear during this time kind of forced everyone else to turn it up a little bit since WrestleMania... Was originally going to be built around Triple H regaining the title from John Cena during that time. Um, so, this match—I mean, it's a dark match, so you never know. But I would—I would expect that it's probably really good, just because most TV matches involving these guys during this time period were pretty good. Uh, the next match is also a dark match from a Raw taping, and that's Shawn Michaels in a Triple Threat. Uh, against Batista and Chris Jericho. Uh, b- the booking was really clever for about six months in how they kind of wove Shawn Michaels and Batista and Jericho in and out of feuds with each other. So I think, you know, this matchup actually could have headlined a pay per view during this time, and in a way I'm surprised that it never did. So it's interesting, probably worth seeing. Um, I'm not a huge fan of triple threats in four ways personally. Uh, but you never know. It could be pretty good. And then the final match on the set is Sean teaming with the undertaker. Uh, and this would have been in the lead to WrestleMania 25 because it's on March 16th, 2009. It's on raw. It's against JBL and Vladimir Kozlov. Um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, if I remember back, that was just kind of, I mean, it was a full leaf match, but it was really just storyline development. Um, More than it was, you know, a strong match on its own. So uh, I should close by apologizing for my voice. I have a cold, if you can't tell, and uh, came at the worst possible time when I'm trying to launch a website that's going to change the life on planet Earth as we know it or something like that. But I do have a cold, uh, so I apologize for being a little bit nasally. I'm usually not quite this nasally. But if you want the Shawn Michaels DVD, it does come out on October 2nd in the United States uh, or October 1st in Europe. Uh, it's coming out in Australia, but it's there's been no official date released yet. But you can order it. You can pre-order on Amazon uh, if you're in the U.S. or U.K. And Australia, madman.com. Madman.com. It's really hard to say madman when you have a cold. But uh, au You can go there and, and pre-order as well. So that's all that I have for today. Uh, I will probably check it again tomorrow and hopefully even keep it a little bit shorter. I, I Like I said, I really don't want these podcasts to be too long. And we'll talk about whatever the news du jour is. So once again, this is Charles from ProWrestlingOnly.com. Make sure you check out uh, our daily match reviews. Make sure you visit the message board uh, and see what's going on. Thank you.